Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football. Hello and welcome to the Football Co. Business Podcast, where we speak to some of the most innovative people working in football media, brand and marketing. On today's show, we talk with James Salmon, Senior Marketing Director for EA Sports FC. Back in May, we spoke to James's colleague David Jackson about the work behind the new EA FC brand. So today, we're talking to James about what's happened since and the quest to reach 1 billion fans. James, welcome to the show. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. When we spoke to David Jackson on this podcast a few months ago, the FC24 or EAFC brand had uh, only just been revealed. We'd seen triangles, we'd seen some of the motion work, we'd seen Beckham, and we hadn't seen covers, and we didn't know that Erling Haaland would be the face of the game either. When it came to choosing Haaland, so he's been everywhere since. He was obviously a great figure at the Lodge Party, all dressed in green. What goes into choosing the cover stars? Or what goes into choosing Haaland in this case? Especially when you're trying to create something that's very distinctive from what mm. Well, first, look, first, firstly, I'd just say Erling Haaland represents the future of football and embodies a huge amount of the values that we would hold, we would like to think hold very true to what EA Sports FC24 stands for. He's off the back of a historic treble as well. Manchester City, you know, going out there and having an incredible season. Um, and yeah, as I said, over the last 12 months, I'd, I'd argue he's probably been the best player on the planet. Um, all of that's made a huge kind of bearing on um, him being on the cover. But there, there's one last factor I call out, which is he's a huge fan of the game. Uh, you mentioned briefly in your question there, the Amsterdam event. He played one of our one of our creators, um, one of the a core kind of FC fan, um, a player called Luva, and um, absolutely battered him. He was absolutely magnificent, and I think that really showed like how much he loved FC as a product, and that really comes across to our fans. How, I've got to ask him, how does Haaland play FIFA? I mean, he's, I, I assume he's playing as Man City, and yeah, it stood out by the way he played because I always assume if a footballer is playing FIFA, they play differently to how I play. Oh, sorry, EAFC. I'm already doing it. They play it differently to how I would play it or how you would play it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, there, there are actually a handful of players that are playing in the very elite levels of both professional football, but also FD Pro, like our, our professional ecosystem. So Diogo Jota is the prime example. I'm sure um, a number of people would have seen his celebration previously pretending to hold a controller after scoring in the Premier League. And then more recently when he had the FD triangle above his head, scoring again in a recent Premier League game. Um, Diogo Jota is also one of the best FC players in the world based on ranking. So there, there definitely is like a bit of crossover there between um, the virtual and physical worlds of the sport. Haaland plays the city. Some players love playing as themselves. Others hate playing with their own clubs. Um, it's very much kind of person by person. But for sure, Erling Haaland, Diogo Jota, great examples of professional footballers that also love getting on the sticks and playing FC. Yeah, that kind of that kind of a natural ambassadorship must be really useful. Um, <laughs> Harlan's on the cover. He's on one of the covers, I should say. He's on both, but the other one, he's obviously got a lot, many more um, players with him as well. How important are those covers to the marketing of the game now? I mean, I, I've been playing since the beginning, since Platt was on the cover, etc. You don't really kind of see them on the store shelves, but they've still got a use. Is that diminished or is it just um, useful in different ways? I, I, yes. No, I think that's, it's definitely important. I think there's an emotional, we're in this privileged position where there's an emotional connection to EA Sports uh, football titles. I grew up playing them with my father and now I'm in a privileged position where I'm playing FC with, with my daughters. And for the longest time, that, that connection between being on the cover of our product 
and what that represents in the real world of the sport is is a real thing. It means something to to players, but it also means something to our fans. Um, we've seen that through the amazing reaction of our community to Erling Haaland being on the cover this year, the reaction to Sam Kerr being on the cover in, in the prior year and on the Ultimate Edition this year. Um, so no, for sure, there definitely is still that that connection. What what we see it as a brand is that through the research that we went through in the build-up to this FC transition and evolution, that three things are really, really important to our fans, authenticity, innovation, and purpose. And authenticity being all of the all of that IP that, that fans have known to expect to be in our ecosystem, the 19,000 players, 700 clubs, 30 plus uh, leagues and federations, all of that licensing prowess would exist within our ecosystem. The cover is one demonstration of that. Haaland is on the cover on a UEFA Champions League match night, wearing a Manchester City kit. That connection that's forged between an audience that is seeing that cover for the first time and, you know, viscerally and connecting with that experience of a Champions League match night, we, we still recognize a real degree of importance to that. That isn't to diminish any of the other channels or any of the other creatives that we, we put out into the world. But for sure, I think the cover still has a very special place. I mean, I, I appreciate it. I mean, once again, as a fan and as somebody in the industry, I don't think I kind of appreciated the, um, the importance of kind of hitting those other, um, those other points in the marketing, essentially, other rights holders. Is that also what motivated the? It's hard to kind of describe it, actually without going to show on the phone. So, but what motivated the um, ultimate edition cover by having all those players on? That was your stance to be able to say to fans that yes, this is a different name, but these all the licenses and all the players and the likenesses that you're used to, they're still here and they are very much here in this kind of a, an ensemble cover. Yes, absolutely. I think you know. Football is the world's game, but the way that it's celebrated is in communities all around the world. And, and I, I, you know, I think that uniqueness, that culturalization that, that exists, but through that cover, the opportunity we had to express that, um, it was, it was really important as we, we navigated through that transition. As I said, authenticity, innovation and purpose. These were the factors that came through that we, we knew were important to our global community of fans. And by having historic players the likes of Zizou or David Beckham or current players the likes of Sam Kerr and Erling Haaland all wearing, you know, authentic kits and being able to communicate that to our to our global base of fans was was really key. You mentioned a few things there. You mentioned authenticity, you mentioned purpose, and what you relate what you mentioned earlier on about kind of the global game. This seems to kind of like fitting quite well. My next question, which is around the EA Futures projects. In the past, with old video game marketing, you had various kind of touch points through the year. There would be things that there would be the cover launch. There'd be the various um, calendar moments you have with Ultimate Team. But now there's EA Futures as well, which seems to be kind of that's that has a calendar, I assume, or going through the course of the year. It's not just kind of something you've done at the beginning. And, and also, could you just for those not familiar, could you give us kind of a a short version of what F- um, EA Futures actually is? Absolutely, Paul. So for, for the longest time, there's been a misconception that video games are detracted from the real world of the sport. Whereas our research suggests that the opposite is actually true. So we worked to really analyze like the current state of, of football fandom. And what we learned was modern football fandom has evolved. So traditionally, uh, football fandom, I've seen it through, through three lenses. Passive, so as a Pompey fan, going to Fratton Park and watching a game or tuning into iFollow. Um, active, getting out there and playing for a grassroots club or at the elite level, if you have the privilege to do that. 
and then interactive, which is the space that for the longest time we've played in. Um, but through this research, we learned that the majority of our players were playing more active sport as a consequence of their interactions with our game, um, which again is like playing in the face of that, that misconception. So FD Futures is our $10 million plan, our investment over the next three, three years um, to, to more intentionally forge that connection between the physical sport and our products. And the way we're going to accomplish that is through four tactical areas. So practices, taking our in-game skill games, democratizing those and providing access to those for coaches, the parents, the teachers, for young people to be able to use that tech to learn core skills like shooting and dribbling. Pitches, getting out there and playing in the real world, but those same pitches also being available in our ecosystem within FC. Partners, so this has been a really key part of everything we've been delivering this year. So how we work with the likes of UEFA and Football Foundation and the Premier League and La Liga to deliver more sport and to provide more accessibility to sport. Um, and then last but not least, playing equipment. I was really fortunate to grow up uh, in England, in Portsmouth, where access to footballs, to bibs, to balls, this was never a challenge. Like my, my club was always well resourced, but there are definitely um, areas in the world where that hasn't always been the case. So providing the technical equipment, the balls, the bibs, the cones, the targets that exist within FD, two clubs, the grassroots teams in the real world has been another really core part of this, this project and ambition for FD Futures. So I think really to, to, to summarize, like there is an ever blurring of lines between physical and digital sport. And this investment is really about how we can forge and connect those to enable more people to play to play football. Does it also kind of go even more that way as well with encouraging fans, especially young fans as well, by them seeing that branding on cones or on bibs or a fan of a kid? You know, I would do the same thing. I, I play the practice drills on FC24 as well. If they see those, I recognize that because I did that. I did that with Sam Kerr or Erling Haaland at the weekend. That because I, mean, I need that much more motivation to go outside and kick a ball around. But have you seen that help? Is that really going to make a difference as well? Yeah, I mean, this is this is more anecdotal than some of the the, the kind of broader data research. But there was an, an anecdote at the very start of this FD Futures process that I remember hearing from um, a UEFA coach. He said, um, "Kids keep coming to my training practices and telling me that's a FIFA drill. Like, how is this happening? What are they referring to? Like, I want to understand this better. But what for me that points to is." this ever blurring of lines that I, that I mentioned already between the physical sport and the interactive sport. And I think through more intentionally providing opportunities for people to see FD practices out there in the ecosystem um, of, of coaches and being available for coaches, it just provides more, more options to engage, engage people of all ages in the sport. And I think, you know, if we're able to embed that within coaching philosophies as an option, that can only be a good thing. So another, I say, a leap that we've said, mind you, this is actually true. It's not wrong to call it a leap. There was women's football in um, in the previous game as well. But that came on quite a way with FC24, the integration of women's players into Ultimate Team as well. What was the motivation behind that? Because there was, you can still have um, female players in EAFC24 without necessarily merging them into Ultimate Team. There was, is that a similar kind of motivation to what you mentioned there? I think there's, you know, there's, there were several motivations, but a really key part of this was about choice. So, um, you know, I've referenced a couple of times that I'm a Portsmouth fan. Colby Bishop's my favourite player, and I can put him into my ultimate team. 
my daughter's a massive Lionesses fan. She can put Chloe Kelly into her ultimate team. You can have an all male team, an all female team, a mixed team, and that that balance. The 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 the, the word I would use for an ultimate is ultimate choice. And I think that that decision and that option to be able to really lean into the extra 2,000 players or circa 2,000 players that we've added into the mode through the integration of women in the ultimate team has been really, really key. And actually the reaction from our community and fans has been, you know, really positive actually to, to this evolution. And, you know, we're off the back of also some record-breaking growth for the women's game, an amazing World Cup, like incredible attendance figures, broadcast figures, and fandom's ever-evolving. And, uh, Again, zooming completely out for a second, when we, we set about evolving into FC, we wanted to go from being a video game built from football to being a football platform built from video games. And by meaningfully integrating the women's games throughout club football, international football, and within our core modes, with yet another opportunity to engage and excite uh, a whole new generation of fans. When you mentioned anecdotes, I mean, I can I, I give you one of my own. I, I did... Um... An old team draft and my daughter, who bear in mind she's barely five, she was picking players. And every player she picked was a female player, apart from at least Big Zan Brotter for some reason. So it was then mixed up <laughs> a team of 10 other female players just because she goes, I want them. Because, and it was very much, I'm a girl, I want to be able to pick girl players, as she put it. While it is a, a cliche and not entirely true to say that women's football kind of attracts a female audience and men's a men's audience, I mean, we know that's not necessarily the case. Have you seen or do you expect to see uh, an increase in uh, female players of the game off the back of the integration? I, you know, I'd like, I'd like to think so, Paul. Like, I'd, really, I'd really hope that, um, as you know, we've, we've set out this, this really lofty aspiration to have a billion fans within our FC ecosystem. And, and for sure, like, you know, the, the new experiences, the new modes, new players that we, that we evolve and that we create as we, we, we kind of work through this. The, the hope is always to engage more fans. The growth for the women's game has been amazing to see. And I think off the back of last year, it's a, a great moment for us to integrate it even more meaningfully within our product. Um, beyond the ultimate team, we obviously also introduced, uh, Frau and Bundesliga and Liga F to two new leagues within the ecosystem. And the anecdote you shared there about, about your daughter, like I'm, I'm sure there are fans all around the world that, for the first time are experiencing their women's club side within FC. And um, that's, that's fantastic. It gives us more opportunity to engage more fans in a more meaningful way. Now, she had the same thing. We played Volta and she wanted to say, who do you want to play? I want to play as Chelsea. Which Chelsea? And she chose the women's team because she had the option. Not because she necessarily recognised them, but she saw that as something which is separate towards, let's say, when, when I chose a team and I chose a men's team. So that it's, um, I guess if you're going to get to a billion players, you need to, you need to broaden things out a bit, don't you? So that's where it is. There was all this work. There's been a lot of work from the visual to the integration of um, different players to the launch of EA Futures. That's kind of made this new FC24 brand. I presume the planning's now ahead to see how you evolve that for 25? Absolutely. You know, we are, this is, um, we're at the very start of this journey. And I think, you know, we're going to continue to lean into authenticity, innovation and purpose. But this, this really, this really kind of ties back to that, that ultimate ambition to, um, inspire the world to love football and our mission to create the future of football fandom. And the way to accomplish that is to be in a position where we can engage more fans on more platforms, be that mobile, be that console, be that free to play through PC. Um, 
the more opportunities out there, and I'm sure these are going to expand as tech expands in the future. But all of that's going to be um, with with that mission to, to to gain a billion fans within our ecosystem. James, thank you for your time, and best of luck for 25. Thanks, Paul. Much appreciated. If you enjoyed that, then look back through the Football Code Business Podcast archives for our conversation with EA Sports' David Jackson, as well as other shows covering the world of football, media, brand, and marketing. The Football Code Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football.